building better teams with Southern Cross Leadership Solutions and host, Garrett Harrell. All right, uh, welcome to the fourth episode of the still yet to be named Not a Podcast. Um, this is again not a podcast. I don't know if John, if you were aware of that. This no, is not I, going. I, I like this, the tentative name. It's awesome. Yes. Yeah. We're, we're, there's a couple of options. I think Jody and I are going to think about. Um, but again, I am your host, Garrett Harrell. I'm the president and principal consultant of Southern Cross Leadership Solutions, where we help companies build and sustain badass teams to accomplish any mission. My partner in crime, uh, my Batman. To my Batman, I guess to Batman. I guess can we both be Batman? Last, last I like episode, Superman. I said I was a don't, Robin to his. Yeah, don't Batman. say Robin. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it Nightwing? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I wasn't a DC dude. Uh, I did. Superman is is uh, the greatest though. Um, as we get off track again, my partner in crime, Jody, the man Fletcher. So Jody, executive coach. Owner-operator, E5 Professional Coaching, where he works with executives to help them focus their self-awareness and generally become better leaders for their people. Um, great dude all around. And honestly, we still need to plug Ocean Fest at some point in time. Not that oh, yeah. this is actually going to air, but who cares? <laughs> it may be something we can talk about when we post it on social media. Um, and instead, of, we're just going to jump in today. We're going to introduce... Our guest, uh, who is, who is literally the first person when this was an undertaking that I decided to do, he was the first person I thought of. Um, he would—he's very humble, so he would not say that. But a lot of people look to him. Appreciate that. Very, very, very experienced and distinguished in this area, and just a great dude that that helps everybody. And so, without further ado. John Panaccione. Hey, you right? got it. I you got it, it. And <laughs> yeah. even my southern Italian accent. There you go. Um, so let me read John's bio. This is, by reading the bio, you're going to understand why we're going to talk about some of the things we talk about today. Um, but John is a managing partner at Fola Capital, which is a registered broker-dealer focused on helping small businesses and entrepreneurs raise money. Um, he also serves as a senior consultant to Logic Bay, which is a learning management system and relationship management tool uh, that offers training services to manufacturing and higher education industries. Here's the here's the kicker: John founded Logic Bay in 2003 and exited by sale last year, 2020. Yeah, after 18 years. After 18 years, and walked away with everybody was happy. Yeah. Everybody had the smile surgically removed from my face, as I like to say. (laughs) Everybody was happy. Uh, But that experience led him to to undertake his second startup, uh, which was Vet to CEO, which he helped co-found, which is a nonprofit that helps educate transitioning service members and veterans, right, on the path to entrepreneurship and small business ownership. That's something I've actually looked in, and I've referred Vet to CEO to multiple uh, people um, in my other day job, uh, which is fantastic. And John served for six years on active duty as a U.S. Army officer, mostly in leadership positions as a paratrooper and a jump master in the 82nd Airborne Division. Hua. Hua. <laughs> Fun fact about John, and we're going to flesh this, this one out, is that he once had an employee 
who was Irish that worked in John's London office, which see like you're like you're already hot shit if you have like a London office, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, totally. Like, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. that's global. Right, right, <laughs> yeah. right. That's global. Like I was thinking, like if I could start a satellite office in Tijuana, see, I would be global, right? Yeah, that's right. London office, um, and John routinely visited this employee with the intent to drink him under the table. A mission which John says he accomplished multiple times. What, well, well, so I got to correct about. you there just once. Just once. Oh, okay. And okay. his name is Stephen. He might be listening. And um, <laughs> I'm proud of Stephen because whatever I said that night, he listened because now he's on his second business himself and he's an entrepreneur. And I'm very proud of Stephen. Well, that's awesome. So, what is what is accomplishing that goal look like? It sounds painful what to goal? tell you that, of drinking Stephen under the table. Uh, well, I don't remember the end, but I do remember that there was a hand and arm signal, I think, that, you know, defined the moment where, you know, I had one. And, uh, you know, it was a foggy scene, as you might imagine, but, you know, it was yeah. clearly uh, accomplishment, mission yeah. accomplishment. Yeah. Um, in a past life, uh, we once worked with uh, the Royal Marine Commandos, and we were in Faslane, Scotland, for about two months. Yeah. And that was almost every night yeah. uh, it's i mean it's it's amazing it's a sport it is a sport it is a sport in some <laughs> countries and i've definitely <laughs> taken my uh fair share of rides in the time machine yeah. after uh playing those games <laughs> and the french foreign legion uh group of guys i hung out with once or twice they are noted for that as well yeah but uh and, and it never changes because I worked with the French Foreign Legion dudes that were no longer French Foreign Legion but were doing contract jobs throughout Africa on yeah. my numerous vacations over there. And it never changes. It's, right. all, it's literally yeah. the same story. Yeah, the same full throttle. Story. Yeah. Uh, and it's always a painful experience um, when, you try to, when you try to partake in that. <laughs> That's right. Um, so John is here today. John, you're here. We're going to talk about, based on your background, We've talked to date, we've talked about culture, we've talked about purpose, we've talked about um, individual contribution individual to, teams. Contribution to yeah. teams. And all of that works and the importance of culture and purpose and all of this. But at the end of the day, companies and things exist for results, right? And companies exist to make money. That's the goal. If you re read the goal by Ellie Goldratt, right? Like it right. is literally to make money. Um, which there's nothing wrong with that. And I think KO, a mm. previous guest, explained very well that you can be profit aligned and still be purposeful. But that has to get translated through the strategy at the upper level down to the people who are executing closest to the customer, closest to the product or service. Honestly, this is something that I... I can't imagine. Like, I know that there's, like, I'm a checklist guy, and we've we kind of talked about this a little before, but I am curious. I just, this is this is an opportunity, to me, opportunity for me to learn today. But how do you do that? How do you translate big blue arrows throughout multiple levels across components, right? And I know we can, we can get into some military uh, methodologies, which are very uh, comparable, but... Um, I know there's nuances and variances there, but let's just let's just open that can of worms and pull the thread and figure out what happens. Like, how do you do that? Yeah, like you know, what is like if I'm if you're the CEO of a company, you've been the CEO, you're the CEO now, right, or the managing partner. But 
How do you get people to do actionable things on the ground floor when you're thinking in very conceptual terms? Right. Well, you, you know, I'll try to boil it down in a few basic tenets I've picked up over the years, you know. But it all goes back to some military basics. You know, move, shoot, and communicate. That's pretty basic, right? Pretty easy to describe what all components are, but, you know, that's what you try to infuse in an organization in the military, right? People know what those three things are, and you have to do those things well. Right. So, you know, on the on the business side, you know, there's similar things applications of things like that and it's almost like uh, there's a great book by Jack Stack called The Great Game of Business it was written a long time ago and I don't know if you're familiar with that book but it was it was about a manufacturing facility that was going to go out of business because they went broke right and just purely chaotic situation Um, Jack Stack was part of the team that um, got the employees together and said, hey, we're all going to lose our jobs. We've got to turn this thing around. Um, And, you know, you probably know where this is going. They they came out from rose like a phoenix, and they were very successful, brought the plant back because they involved all the employees. But one of the key aspects of it was they, they ran that place open book. They taught everybody about how the business makes money. And they, they used metrics, uh, daily metrics that were all about, you know, key financial things that had to happen or they were going to, you know, not make it. And that created a culture where everybody felt like, you know, they had a role in the success, the business success of the business. And it's a great book and one of many I've read. And, you know, so one of the things is to involve everybody in the running of the business. I, I don't understand why the financials are always this big secret. <laughs> That are kept. And for 18 years, I ran Logic Bay with open books, right? And every quarter, and I'd get, I'll get into this, you know, we would go over the good, bad, or, you know, it was never all good. It was always right. dark times, like any small business. But you just let everybody know, here's what's going on, guys. And uh, someone needs to come up with some good thoughts about how we're going to reverse this. It was never me, the genius at the top, supposedly, right, that thought of anything good. It was always someone else that figured out how to do something different to make the business results appear there. Uh, the second thing is, um, you, you know, the concept of back briefs. I don't know what you guys call the Marines, but, uh, you know, so in the Army, in an airborne unit, you know, you're getting on all these airplanes and all your guys are cross-loaded on all these planes. Half the planes might not even take off. You know, they go down for maintenance, whatever. Guys get hurt. You're jumping at night. You, you always had to make sure your guys, every single one of them, knew what the hell was going on. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, before you get on the airplanes. And then when you land and half your guys don't show up and you, all your crap's all over the place, they had to know what to do and improvise and to accomplish the mission, right? Yeah. And the process of back briefing, if, you know, you guys have your own experience there, you'd have your guys just tell you what the plan is. Right. It's so invaluable and it's so easy to implement, right? Yeah. And you can do it in a small business. You have the people that work for you. All right, what's the plan? You know, what's your role in the plan? You know, what are you going to do if this happens or that happens? It's so easy to do, but nobody does it, right? Yeah. So I'll stop there, but just the basics of, you know, applying back briefing in a company, in a small business, and people feel engaged and involved when you do that, and they appreciate it. And then, you know, having the great game of business, teaching people how the business runs and that it has to be profitable, everybody loses their job, it shouldn't be a secret, right? When you put those two things together, you can create a, a pretty dynamic organization. Yeah. So I, I want to jump on back briefing for a second because if, if you talk to people and you ask them, like, what what is your, your biggest pain point? 
um, when you ask about surveys and you know team effectiveness and things, more often than uh, it's almost every single time if if you include it, which I, I try to not to include it, but they always say communication. I think back briefing is huge because it's not so much about it's not so much about just being transparent. It's also about ensuring that what you think you said actually came out right the way you intended. Right? There's a lot of time where that you know you get you get gets lost in translation and you assume that I was clear, I was concise, right? I passed the information this way. It doesn't necessarily mean it was heard absolutely the way you pushed it. Yeah. Across the room. Right. So back briefing is a huge. Um, yeah, it's a huge tool that you can use in business uh, in any organization. And it's so funny, though, because it's it's so often. Well, not I, used. I found in addition to that, it holds people accountable yes. To, to, yes. to lift their share of the weight. It does. You know, instead of criticizing the plan, it's like, how are you going to do your part <laughs> to make sure that we succeed? And you have a very important role. Tell me how you're going to do that. Absolutely. And if you got a better idea, let us know. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And I also think it, it uh, increases the bias for action. Because if I'm if you tell me this is what we're doing, this is the mission, this is the end state, this is the goal, and I tell you my understanding of that, then to use your example of, you know, the planes are all over the place and you know, we only have half of our team or whatever, I still know what the intent Absolutely. you know, what our stated intent is. Right. And whether that's a military setting or in business, if the people at the very front end of the spear, the, the pointy end of the spear know what the intent is, they're gonna act based on that that's literally half the battle that's right, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. literally half the battle yeah, yeah. you know and i yeah. think that's if you look at great power competition one of the things that we as the united states hold over many others is that our people at the pointy end of the spear will take action based on what they you know with the obstacles that are facing them based on the information they have with the best intentions right, right? whereas other you know large-scale militaries won't do that. They have to turn yeah. around and ask somebody else who asks somebody else. And right. that decision tree or that decision chain takes so long, they're literally paralyzed. Yep. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Which makes our military great, right? But the same the same principles can apply in a business. That's yeah. right. And, and, you know, at least in the Army, you don't have a lot of uh, geniuses running around in the pointy end of the spear, right? It has to be. And I don't mean all, to be demeaning. but all in the Marine Corps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's where they go. But uh, but uh, yeah, we had some. We had a ship over there because they just couldn't cut it. But anyway, um, just kidding. Um, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be scalable. It's got to be applicable. It's got to be simple, right? Yeah. So these principles, they are simple and scalable, but they just need to be practiced. Yeah, you know? I, I do want to make a correlation though, because we were talking about communication, and we almost very immediately flipped to accountability. And I, and I have a friend that says that when those pain points such as communication are the ones that are at the top of the list, that communication is literally just a symptom of lack of accountability. And when you you pull the string on accountability, it is. It's being clear in expectations, uh, measurements, uh, consequences, and feedback, right? right. Which allows, and, and let's be honest, a lot of the time when we, we can do things right and still not always be successful, we just have to understand what went wrong so we can take advantage and shift to move forward. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree with you more. Yeah. Kind of like you were talking about in a previous episode, mm -hmm. failing forward. Yeah. You know, what are you going to learn from that? How are you going to move on? Back brief it, you know, dissect it, 
Yeah, uh, after and, action and, reviews, right? right? Part of the culture, right? That's it right. should should be in business too. Hey, we lost that sale. Why did we lose that sale? And, and rehearsals is another thing. You know, there's other elements. When I ran a sales team, if we were in, right before a big uh, sales call, we'd rehearse the sales call. <laughs> we'd literally sit around a table. Somebody would act as a client, ask all the hard questions. And we'd rehearse yeah, it, the you know, bowl. just like pulling off a mission. You're going to rehearse the mission, right? Yeah, absolutely. How few companies do that? It's baffling. They meet in the hallway before a sales call, and then they wing it when they get in there, right? It's yeah. just just do rehearsals, you know, and you're so much better prepared, right? Yeah. That when the stuff happens, you don't freak out, and the right person knows what to answer, and you get a prepared answer, and it's just more effective. So rehearsals, back briefs, all those things we do can be applied in business. It's, a, it's amazing how much of this stuff does does translate over. Um, and we used the, the phrase earlier, and you can appreciate this, but brilliance in the basics, which is when you talk about the shoot, move, communicate method, like that is it. Like re- rehearsals are yeah. involved in that, right? I mean, and, yeah. and all of this is just transferable to the business world. Right. John, what do you think keeps organizations from doing those simple things? Uh, we were talking about that earlier. I, I, I think um, what I've learned in the business world, and it really like a blowtorch in the face when I first got out, was I think the business world underappreciates those things. And one of the reasons is they, they aren't, we aren't taught in business schools and college to value those things, unless we're on a sports team. I think that's, that's an exception, right? Yeah. And um, we're just graded individually most of the time, unless you're on a project and everybody gets the same grade. But by and large, it's individual grades. That, that collective performance isn't institutionalized like it is in the military in education in this country, in my opinion. So that doesn't translate into business. So when people go into business, they don't know that they're supposed to do that stuff. There's not a high level of value placed on that stuff, right? And um, you know, I always wondered how you guys that do coaching from the military do it. If you've got somebody you're coaching that doesn't value that because they, it, it's foreign to them, right? Yeah. And not to be demeaning. It's like, how do you guys take what we're talking about today and actually help somebody like that who, who hasn't had the exposure like we have in the military where we really value that stuff, right? Yeah, and I can probably speak to that because I've had several conversations with clients that are, you know, C-suite individuals. And when you lay out a concept that is maybe, you know, that first or second term service member leadership principle that they all know. And, and you've got a C-suite individual who is it's it's almost mind blowing to them. Right. But it really, for me, at least, it's been a matter of introducing that concept mm-hmm. and then letting them do the self-discovery as to how that might look for them to employ something like that. Yeah. Once they have the aha moment, and then you ask them, you know, yeah. based on that, how might that look for you to, to lay that out in your organization or yeah. something? And then they grab it and run with it. Yeah, I've seen that, too, with people that have worked for me, right? Um, they've gone off and done their own thing, and then they, like, baby steps, right? They try something that we're talking about, and it works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then they go, well, that was the best thing you ever did yeah. is uh, tell me how to do that. You know, it's like it's like no-brainer stuff to yeah. us, but it, it's like rocket science to some people on how effective it is, right? So it's good. Yeah, and that's, you know, a lot of what I do is helping people become self-aware and how to better connect with their people. Yeah. Because that's the thing that I think we're lacking in. Back to the you know the conversation we had before, uh, before we started with you know you're graded individually, so you're not graded in necessarily, or we're not raised in how do I build a team, yeah. you know that's going to benefit all of us. 
so a lot of that self-awareness is how are you coming across to your team and then how is that affecting whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish? Yeah, not to go off on a tangent, but another one of my pet peeves is when people that haven't served say, oh, it's military, you can just tell people what to do and they do it, right? I cringe <laughs> yeah, when I yeah, hear that, I, right? Yeah. And I'm sure you guys in your own experience can say the same thing. You know, in my units, if you were an idiot, you know, and the NCO mafia is going to take care of you and, oh, yeah. you know, you're going to get flushed out. You just don't bark orders in the military. Yeah. And then right. if you don't practice these things, no matter what your rank is, right, that you're not going to be effective as an organization. It, does, it has nothing to do with rank is my point, right? Yeah. It has a lot to do with um, bu- building cohesion and all that unit stuff that makes a difference. Right? Well, I think it's the, it's the difference between leadership by fear, which there are some military there leaders are. that try yeah. to do that, right. and are. then just what I would consider real leadership, genuine leadership, right. you know, and I think I mentioned it in a previous episode, what I called driveway to driveway leadership, you know, yeah. knowing about the, the driveway that your people come from as much as you know about, you know, what they pull into to start work. Right. And I think that's what, to me, what we learn in the military is I'm responsible for you as a whole person, not just the person who shows up to work. Right. You know, and, and yeah. so if you get in trouble uh, yeah. after hours, that's still a part of my responsibility. Right you know, to you as a young service member. And it is second nature to us to consider the whole person, you know, not just whatever it is you do at the office. And and it's something we take for granted early in our careers, right? right. We we come to understand and respect it, respect that position as we grow. Uh, But yeah, it's something that, yeah, very early on, it's, we just take that for granted. And it's actually, it's, it's, you know, it's kind of, it feels somewhat contrived and we're, we're just, we're not into it, but... Uh, so it's another example of that intangible thing the military experience gives us. It's that care for the whole person. It's the concept of making sure the lowest-ranking dude knows what the hell's going on. Right. And it's back briefs and, and the simplicity of some of those concepts, right? Collectively, I think, what makes military units great. And then, But that stuff is so foreign to a business. Uh, that's the bad news. The good news is... <laughs> Because it comes from the military, it's it's not rocket science, right? It's simple and easy to implement, and and you can take baby steps to do it and make a big difference, right? From from your experience, uh, so going back to sort of like how we're implementing strategy down lower, has there been a position in 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 the organization just from your experience that is that is is kind of like it's the obstacle or it's literally the off-ramp to, to success and how things are getting translated. Because there's, in an organization, there's different levels of management. You know, you've as a CEO, you've got directors, you know, you've got staff that are help pushing these things down. And it, ultimately, I see it becoming a game of telephone, yep. right? Uh, but is there... A single point where you can say I've had the most issues at this level and if so why do you think that is well you might edit this out of the podcast but uh, <laughs> we're not editing anything I think so. it's HR and you're not listen keep, let's go keep going no I, I think you <laughs> yeah. know when I, I my first job out of college uh, I left the army on a Friday and started a full-time MBA program on a Monday and like I was almost 30, you know, almost got kicked out 30 days later. You guys could probably imagine what would happen there. But, um, anyway, I, I leave my MBA, and I, and I get a job at MetLife in the HR department, right? And, I, and I'm a former military guy, all the stuff we're talking about, right? It's my first big job in a big company, right? And I just got my newly minted MBA. I think I'm smarter than everybody. And I work in HR. And their job was to, in my m- experience from the military 
you were, if you were the leader, you were the leader, right? And if you suck as a leader, you're not going to last as a leader too long, right? Right. And and in that life, if a leader messed up, they call the hotline HR, right? And yeah. HR has to come in with all these tools and interventions and stuff to fix the problem. And it kind of offloaded the hard stuff from the leader in the line of business to HR. Yeah. And to me, it, to answer your question, in all the years I've been in different types of businesses, some of those HR techniques and practices, um, and I'm probably going to get a lot of hate mail now, but um, <laughs> I, I think paralyzes an organization because it relieves leaders from doing what they're supposed to do gives them an excuse not to be leaders, the leaders that they should be. And on the other hand, it paralyzes them because there's all these legal implications these days to do stuff that they should do. So I I think that that's my answer to your question. I I think that it can be be very positive for a company to have good HR leaders, let me say that. But uh, to answer your question, and, you know, as a vendor to large companies, and I've had great customers, but I was able to go from company to company to company to company and see different snapshots of different cultures constantly for over 20 years, right? And some companies are very high-performing and awesome, like Caterpillar, right? And I love those guys because they have a culture of what we're talking about, right? Yeah. And others, which I won't mention, are paralyzed yeah. because leaders can't do their job or don't want to do their job. And a lot of it has to do with what, what, what I just mentioned. So not the first person that's been at the helm of an organization that I've heard say that. Um, So you're not alone. Uh, I think a caveat to that is understanding too is, is that, and what I think gets, I I think that's where it does get lost in translation, right? Because I think HRCs, they look at, their definitions of things look different, right? So when we're talking about business and we're talking about results, which really relies on performance, HR doesn't they don't give a shit about performance, so mm-hmm. to speak, right? They are looking at engagement. They're looking at things like that. But the truth of the matter is, is they're, one leads to the other. Right. Um, they just, I don't think they've connected the dots on those things. And we probably need to have an HR person come in in the future. Hey, sure. like, and, uh, and, I don't know about counter, counter-argue these points, but not the first person, because at the end of the day, CEOs are, are concerned yeah. with results and stuff, and not necessarily, and HR doesn't see it that way. It'd be like analogous in the military units we've been in. You know, I haven't been in yours, and I was in a different time in the military, but it'd be like S1 coming down oh. to correct you, and you're down yes. in the line unit. You're like, who are you? I'm from S1, and yeah. you know, we had a complaint. Imagine how that would go over. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's the easy button, right? It's yeah. the easy button for leadership. Right. Instead of having that hard conversation, you know, of, hey, here's where I need you to improve or, or here's where you're failing or whatever. Right. The, you know, the giant easy button. Nope, yeah, go let's to HR. get HR involved. Yeah. And Absolutely. then that just further degradates that person's it, it leadership dilutes, ability. It dilutes responsiveness, agility. It dilutes the right thing to do. Sometimes the right thing to do is, is a hard pill to swallow for people, right? Yeah. And that, that's getting harder and harder to do, but it's the, right, it's the thing that has to be done, right? Especially in small businesses, you don't have a lot of room for error. Right. And, Absolutely. Uh, well, and to some degree, it has to disconnect the leadership from what's actually going on. Because if, if I've got an issue with you or something's going on and I'm not talking to you directly, but HR is, I'm not going to get the direct feedback from you as to why you made the decision that you did that I'm unhappy with. Right. Right. They are going to deal with it. But the input that I, I could have gotten from you might have been vital to to where we need to go. That's right. So there's got to be a disconnect. Yeah. At and some and point the unfiltered well. feedback. That's right. Right. Yes. In both directions. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's what makes effective organizations effective. Yeah. <laughs> and when you add all this, uh, dis, you know, buzz or static in the way, you know, um, it slows you down, in my opinion. Yeah, white noise. It's yeah. not good for anyone. Yeah. Interesting. So. <clears throat> I'm going to... Yeah, you guys didn't ask me to say this, but and it's not a plug for you guys. But, I mean, that's why what you do and why you do it is important because a lot of people don't understand what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. And especially if uh, – now, I don't, know, I, I don't know how you guys fix that. I've never done what you do. Right? But, but on the other hand, you know, that's a, that's a real thing that's in private businesses that you don't have to deal with in military units that gave you the expertise to do what you do. Right? I would, the one thing I was going to say is – I've found a lot of it comes down to confidence. Mm -hmm. You know, like there's always an underlying factor as to why someone is lacking in something and, and wants to grow in that. And more often than not, it's confidence. Yeah. And it's because, you know, again, if I'm hitting the easy button to take care of a problem, then I've not built the confidence that I can do that right, effectively. Right, take it on. Yep. And the more that happens, the further it degrades my confidence as a leader. Yeah, I would agree um, with that. Yeah, so what I would add is, is that I think that, that, is a factor in it. Um, my experience shows that there's people, so I, working with teams and working with organic teams, is that there, there's people that understand these concepts. They've discussed them, they've thought about them. They haven't necessarily discussed them together collectively, though. And a lot of the times they don't want to bring this stuff up because it's uncomfortable. Uh, right. It can create heartburn. Um, and there's, you know, Dan Sullivan, well, it's, he, it's his concept, but there's a concept who, not how. Honestly, that's where companies can do well by bringing in an outsider yeah. like myself or Jody, right? Um, because you are the outsider. You're the person, right. you're, the, you're the who, not the how, um, that can help bring, start having people, make them have those right. conversations, facilitate right? It. To facilitate it. And right. honestly, From that's all it is. And that's what I tell right. people all the time. Like all we're doing is opening the door to some concepts that they already know. It's not, right. it's not anything new. They right. just either don't have the confidence or they're not in a position or they're not close enough as a collective to sort of get the ball rolling. Or I'd add another thing that we mentioned earlier, you know, or they don't have the basis of experience to know what questions to ask yeah, or what true. perspectives to offer, right? Where yeah. you guys and guys like you have that perspective, right? And it's not that you're better than anybody. It's just that you were doused in it for years <laughs> and it's right in front of your eyes. And, you yeah. know, you're shocked that other people don't see it kind of perspective, right? That yeah. I think is kind of cool. Well, and also you're able to ask questions that might be, Maybe somebody in that organization is too afraid to ask them. Right. And the thing I found, especially working with the C-suite folks, is they can say stuff to a coach that they really cannot say to anyone else. Right. You know, because they're at that that level right. uh, that they don't necessarily have a sounding board. And so there are many times when the yeah, whole session— It's lonely at the top. That's a is. truism. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and yeah. I'm, really I'm just listening, listening, listening. Yeah. And I might ask a question that many times they've said— Wow, nobody's ever asked that before. Yeah. Well, yeah, probably because they're afraid to. Yeah. Right. But it's a question absolutely. that needs to be asked. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Do you find, and so this is going to your ex your experience, is that in your position as an executive coach, are are you are they looking for for some answers sometimes? Because like it typically in the coaching profession, right? You don't provide the answers, right? You provide you ask the you ask the hard questions to sort of enlighten the path, right? So they can they can be self aware and discover in themselves. But with executive coaching, sometimes it's that 
sometimes they just want the hard answers. Do you yeah. find, have you found that? Definitely. And I, um, I, you know, I think there's a line between consulting and coaching. And when I'm with clients, I'll say, okay, we're going to roll into consulting mode now because you're asking <laughs> yeah. me, you know, yes. a question about an issue that you're having. And, and you, you know, I will ask them, do you want like an experience or an answer right. or, you know, whatever, as opposed to coaching where you're really getting into the fundamental of, hey, there's a lack of confidence here. How do we build your confidence so you can have those tough conversations? Right. So in my experience, you just have to be very upfront with your clients and say, okay, we're consulting, yeah, you know, and then let's roll back into that before. Yeah, that's a great distinction. <laughs> yeah. It really is. Hey, who the hell's the guest on this thing, by the way? Yeah, no shit, <laughs> <Just kidding>. right? <laughs> um, that's cool. I don't know. Did like we... That. Have we gotten the sign? Yeah. So we're, we're coming to, into wrap-up mode. Um, I want you to be able to talk uh, about Vet to CEO, about Fola Capital. I want you to be able to plug both. I want you to be able to provide contact information. Um, Vet to CEO, I think, is a fantastic organization. Like I said, I, I promote it uh, in my that. other day job all the time. Um, it's amazing that a, a lot of service members come out and they, you know, they are looking at entrepreneurship. So to have, um, or small business ownership, right? To have an outlet to where they can get some direction and learn. So, so yeah. So feel free, plug away. Uh, well, vet the CEO. We founded it in 2012. Co-founder is a guy named Mike Horn, 20-year Army guy, Ranger dude. Uh, owns a manufacturing firm in Ohio. So, like the rest of us, at vet the CEO, and there's over 100 people in our guest speaker bureau and people that support the organization. Most of them are veterans who own businesses, uh, or they're a specialist, like a lawyer or something. But most of them are business owners that are doing exactly what we do at vet the CEO is take guys and gals coming out of the military and say, hey, look, you ought to look at this small business ownership thing because you're, you've got DNA in you that you don't even know is there yet, and it, it's setting you up for success as uh, owning your own business, right? That's easy to say, but as you guys probably know personally, it scares the crap out of people as they're leaving mm -hmm. the military, right? Because Uncle Sam never bounces a check. Maybe you guys time and they did, but um, <laughs> and then you know paycheck becomes the number one thing, and if you got a spouse, you say you get a job, you loser, you know you're leaving the military now, and everything's about a job. So this is contrary to what people hear. So that's what Vet the CEO is all about. We were we started in 2012, really um, doing a gig for the Coffin Foundation. That's a long story, but you know it's way before Bunker Labs and all that. Right. And um, you know we've done over 40 cohorts, over 4,000 dudes have registered and taken the program. It's a free online program right now. It's six weeks long. Online live. We do it at night, Eastern Standard Time, 7 to 9-ish, uh, so people can participate. We record it, so if you miss it, you can keep up. It's free, and, um, you know, we're quite proud of what we've done. Are we perfect? Hell no, you know. We swear a lot during it, and, you know, I usually <laughs> have a big 40-ounce uh drink in my hand when I'm facilitating the <laughs> sessions, and I admit that, and I'm damn proud of it. But, um, you know, we're just a bunch of veterans trying to help other veterans yeah. kind of dip the toe in the water of entrepreneurship or small business ownership is a viable career path when you leave the military. You know, it took me 10 years to the light bulb to go off, right? I'm, I'm fascinated by how many active duty guys are enrolling in the program now and more and more every time that, and it's yeah, awesome it's good right it is good here it shouldn't take a decade to figure right. out that your military service you know arms you with uh, tools for success so that's what we're all about constantly tweaking it yeah and, and doing new things and fola 
FOLA is a uh, for-profit. Um, we're an investment banking firm, basically. We're a small bunch of people that have had to raise capital that have raised it, and now we know how to do that. You know, money, we didn't get into it here, is this, is this new variable you don't have in the military, and it, it can really wreck things uh, or detract people from doing the right thing. So we try to, raising money is a shark-infested waters full of people with I'm mixing analogies here, but people with money have black belts in money, and when you're a brand-new entrepreneur, you show up with your white belt. And guess what happens <laughs> when a white belt fights a black belt, right? Loses. So, you know, we kind of facilitate that and, and, and help people get through those um, those times where you got to find money and raise money. Yeah. Um, this isn't necessarily any transition, military transition-focused thing, but I, I guess I would ask you this because I'm sure – that'll be a demographic that does does look at this at some point is you know what would you like just from a business so so to help veterans understand business like what would be your recommendation like I'll, I'll be honest I see it every day in my other job the the next selection process uh, for a guy that's exiting one of the various special operations components is the MBA right and uh, now you're talking about another specialization that's beyond the threshold of, of service. But, you know, it, it, you know, to MBA or not to MBA, I don't know. I don't have an MBA. I have some business background and some training. But, you know, what would your recommendation be for someone? As someone who went out, got out and, and got went an right MBA, into an yeah. MBA? Yeah. <laughs> Look, MBAs are great. If you got the time and, and Uncle Sam will pay for it like he did for me, uh, and which post 9-11 GI Bill, it actually incents people to do that, yeah. right? You know, if you got the time to go do it, right? But I was looking back on my career, the 90% of what I've learned in business came from doing it. it had, and 10% came from my MBA. You know, I, if there's one thing I remember about my MBA, I had great teachers, it was a great experience, I would do it all over again, but I'm, I have a black belt in Excel now, right? I really learned Excel. <laughs> yeah. But I have to go Spreadsheet to school modeling. for two years yeah. to learn that, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, it's great if you can do it, uh, but I, I'd say just jump into the fray as soon as you can, man, and start your own thing. And, and I've got a whole philosophy around that we, we don't have time for, but, dude, the sooner you do it, the better. Yeah. And and just get in there and play the game and figure it out. That's where you get engaged. You have fun. You don't have two years of sitting in an MBA program thinking about what a hoorah hero you were, right? Now you're sitting there getting fat in an MBA class, right? And you get all depressed about that, right? Why don't you just stay engaged and stay in the game and just jump into a new game? You know, that's what entrepreneurship's all about, in my opinion. Love it. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Well, that brings us to the end of this. Uh, John, greatly appreciate your time. No, thanks for having Love me. Love means a lot. Listening and learning from you, uh, which is almost uh, is a monthly basis because of our connection to the Veterans Business Collective. Yeah. Um, again, thank you for your time. And this was the fourth episode of an unnamed, not, not a podcast. A podcast. Uh, <laughs> and again, Garrett Harrell with Southern Cross Leadership Solutions, Jody Fletcher. E5 Professional Coaching. Yep. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you, buddy. Thanks for watching Building Better Teams. Visit southerncrosscrew.com for more information on how we can help you build and sustain high-performance teams one leader at a time.